All right. This is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. We have a fantastic guest who is dancing <laughs> her butt off. Adrian Dean. Adrian, how are you? I'm dancing. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, Adrian is a uh, an actress. You've been all over the place. Right now, you are doing. I have the uh, the site up here mm-hmm. as long as my computer wakes up. Seen by everyone. Seen by everyone, and uh, the one with the forward slash. Yeah, you've been. You've worked with Anton's Will Town mm-hmm. Hall Theater, the DMT Fault Line, Anton's Will, and Theater of Hugin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Theater of Hugin is doing. Um, seen by everyone right now. Is yep. that correct? Yep, I did No Christmas Carol with them last year. And came back for this interesting one. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very, very nice. Well, as I begin my podcast every week, of course, I know the answer already. First of all, happy birthday. Happy post-birthday to (laughs) Mr. Norman G. Yay. (laughs) It's so funny because I post it and people clown me. I, I, I have created the birthday season. Oh, I've heard about this on the last show. Yeah, 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 and um, uh. and people uh, people who know me clown me about it mercilessly, and it's funny to me because I have my birthday season because I know people are busy, and if I said, oh, I'm having a birthday celebration on this day, half the people I know wouldn't be able to make it. So I'm like, well, I do all these other things, so come out <laughs> and enjoy. So nobody has any excuse not to come see you, <laughs> but they still do. They still <laughs> don't come. Um, but it just means that when my actual birthday hits, I can't go anywhere without people going, happy birthday, like everything stops. Happy birthday to Norman. It's Norman's birthday. <laughs> um, I did end up at the alley last night. After, so oh, you did. The other thing that's going on, of course, is Four Men opened. Yes. Um, we had our we opening had a night. fantastic audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show rolled beautifully. And... Um, and so we celebrated, and then yeah. I had a friend who was here, so I, we went out afterwards, and then I dropped him off. Wow. I barely remember dropping him off. And I thought, wow, it's still not that late. I'll go by the alley. <laughs> so I walk, roll into the alley, and, oh, God, I always mess up his name. Abel? Abel Guillon, I think. Uh, that name He's on the city council. Okay, yeah. Oh. He's very, very wide man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, years ago, he ran for, I guess he said assembly. I didn't know that. A state assembly. And, um, and he lost. But he came by the alley, and he was of that neighborhood, so people knew him, and he felt really appreciated. And he said he'd been in a few times, and I've seen him a few times there. So when I rolled in last night, and there he was, I was like, oh. And he said, yep, he's up for re-election. Oh, there you go. I'm like, this is, but this feels great. I yeah. mean, this is so now, not he, the modern was era. He, was he worked in the crowd or was he just chilling? He was hanging. He was just, he was standing by the bar. Yeah. So you couldn't help but go by him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, he seemed to be relaxed, comfortable, mm-hmm. and just hanging out. And it was it was a trip. Yeah. That's Oakland Life for you. I mean, you know, I, I remember seeing Jerry. Um, Jerry Brown, yeah. Jerry Brown at the uh, uh, Buttercup Grill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and he was the governor That's right. <laughs> of Does California. he still have his place here? I guess so. Yeah. I have no idea. So well, um, you just run into – do you run into celebrities, Adrian? I Well, I think I, I, think I met you at the, at the alley. Did I? It was a long time ago. It was Robert – Katja, uh-huh. uh, Rick, um, Alan. Okay. And somebody was talking, and Bruce. Okay. Yeah, so the alley is, I guess, the place to be. Yeah. Well, Robert decided he was going to make that one of his places, <laughs> and then he got insanely busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Anton Wells is fantastic. We're going to talk a lot about Anton's Well because yeah. that is just a company that is just on fire. I mean, you know, every show, 
that they do. You know, they get rave reviews, and actors have a you know a fantastic experience, and the audience has a uh, you know an incredible experience as well. Well, the show is really built on the actors, mm-hmm. mm. and Robert has a great way of. I don't know. I I just don't know how he does it because I've seen some of the scripts. And I'm like, okay, how do you make that work? And then on stage, it just seems natural and effortless. And yeah. Like, no, I know how much work y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we get into current events, you know, last night was a, a wonderful, uh, you know, event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know the, the piece Foreman in Paris is a young piece. You know, this is my first full-length play. There are things that work. There are things that don't work. But just the dedication that everyone has put into it, um, anyone who's listening who either – came to the show or a part of the show thank you so 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 much yeah uh, I, I hope you were satisfied it, it, oh absolutely it came together beautifully it, it really has and the actors are still working you know they're yep. still they better be <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about current events uh it's been two weeks since we've been on oh well, a lot's that's happened right. a lot has happened we have the kavanaugh hearings you know people are we just, have a new supreme court justice i know and people are flipping out, and um, for it's, good reason, yeah, yeah. It's it's well, and it's so funny. Yeah, the the to me the issue is because as the right is quick to point out, innocent until proven guilty. Fine, but the man lied. Yep, you know he lied. You can prove that he lied. So whatever happened with that incident when he was in high school, that's one thing. But then you know, and then the other lie that they want to ignore is the. Well, I never did anything like that, and I never had problems. And it's like uh, there's a whole list, you know, there's a whole line of people ready to testify to all the different things. If he just admitted it, admit Mm -hmm. what you can admit. Yeah. Admit that there may be some things that you don't remember. Yeah. And the thing is. And then then we're forced to move forward. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't want to listen. At 15 years old, I, my mindset was not even about sex or parties or anything like that. I was focused. I was in an arts high school, and I was like, wow, I have a script. I'm not on. The, I'm not in the streets, you know, running. Right. My junior high school, you couldn't even go into the bathroom because you'd worry about getting beat up. I mean, things were really bad. Oh, right. It was in the middle of the crack cocaine epidemic that mm-hmm. hit Washington, D.C., a lot of big cities. But our mindset was focused on, you know, doing the right thing. But Kavanaugh, <clears throat> just say, listen, we were 15, we were young, we were stupid. Right. And these are the things that we did, and I'm really, really sorry. I would have had right. far more respect for him. Oh yeah, than now. Yeah, now yeah. he's it's him and Clarence. Yeah, and you're like okay, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, H- how do you feel, Adrian, about all this? <laughs> I think, well, everything the the the, the setting of uh, a hearing as both a innocent until proven guilty kind of trial, right? At, and and all these questions that are. That that seem to be pulling women either like very very in, into very very angry areas mm-hmm. um, and painful areas, as opposed to maybe okay, let's look at this trial and and kind of rationally say um, if that's possible rationally um, mm-hmm. say yeah. is this is this person a someone you want to be on the Supreme Court justice. Right. That the having those two conversations are very hard to have simultaneously. Yeah, right. yeah. And I think they both need to be had. Yeah. But what I'm noticing is very hard to separate them. Yeah. Everyone said while the confirmation hearings, well, this is not a trial. This is a job interview. It's both. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's Dr. Ford was totally on trial. Was, yeah. They brought a prosecutor in, please. Yeah. And did you hear what Melania Trump said? It's like, well, you got to prove it. Women have to prove it. 
And I was like, oh, for God's sake. No, I just see her did name. You, did you hear this? I did not hear that. Yeah, so basically Melania Trump, she did an interview. She's in Africa, this Be Best oh, yeah. campaign, <laughs> right. which I have no idea what it's all about. Be Best, what, is it, what does that mean? Any case. It's supposed to be um, anti-bullying. Well, yeah, you know. Talk cyber, anti-cyber bullying. Yeah. Gosh. You know, really? the, uh, you know the, the jokes write themselves. I mean, you know, you've got it, a husband so who's on Twitter totally right. bullying folks. Right. And, yeah. So you so could only have done it separate from him. Right, right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, she has some very interesting questions uh, on conversations about him as well, basically hmm. saying, whatever he did, I, I just don't care. I don't care, you know, what he's done in the past, right. which, you know, was interesting. But she basically said about the any woman who is accused of sexual harassment, well, you, the woman, has to prove it. Mm-hmm. The burden's on you. I'm hoping this conversation continues yeah. because it has opened up a really messy conversation, but it's a messy conversation. What I – ooh, yeah, I haven't <laughs> had a chance to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm black, obviously, mm-hmm. and we often refer to things like the OJ trial sure. as a moment where America just went, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we looked at each other and went, wait a minute, but – do you know? And we could not have a conversation suddenly. Yeah. Our perspectives were so split, mm-hmm. so far apart. Yeah. And I feel like we're back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to own being a man in this time. Um, we, we, yeah, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. um, we take a Tai Chi <coughs> class. My wife and I take a Tai Chi class. And the woman who runs the class, nice little old lady, um, there's a guy who's sort of the assistant, and for some reason, he just rubs my wife, my wife the wrong way. Mm. And I'm like, he tries to be nice, and yes, he's got his own little hippy-dippy kind of way of looking at things, which really is not her style. But even beyond that, there's something. And so this has been bugging me because it's been bugging her, and I've been trying to figure it out. And finally, last week, I had a little epiphany, and I went, wait a minute. Because my initial thought was, oh, she just doesn't like the way he talks. Or she thinks she hears something in the way he talks. Yeah. And when I realized what the construction that I had just made was, mm-hmm. I went, whoa, 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 projection. I'm projecting. Okay. Dial that back. Let's let's put that on an even keel. I am not hearing something that she apparently is hearing. I'm not hearing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. It's invisible to me. Mm-hmm. So I want to deny that it exists. Right. That's where we're at. And I feel like with this with this issue, you can't there's I, I'm almost afraid to ask women anymore where they are with this because the fact is uh, you know it's I don't even know what, you know, yeah. what ratio to put yeah. in. Go ahead, feel free That's to jump it, in. This, uh, so I don't know your wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the situation at all. Yeah. But I think the like the only conclusion I can ever come to is to have the conversation. Yeah, right. that's the only thing I can. In any oh, context, I know I did with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, out in the world, though. Yes. To yeah. say, wow, if nine out of ten women have had some incident or are aware of some incident, what does that say about nine out of ten guys? And mm-hmm. immediately people say, well, not all guys. I'm like, great, not all guys, but a lot of guys, a lot of guys, and you know, and then as guys, let's be honest. I can own it. There are, there's one woman online who we went to college together, and we had a brief relationship. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, how much did I take advantage of that situation? 
Because at a certain point, she sort of got her head clear and said, I think we should just be friends. And I immediately, as soon as she said it, I was like, okay, we're just friends. Mm -hmm. But I kind of knew that was coming. Like, I knew this wasn't going, this wasn't going to be a relationship. I just knew she was in a place where if I pushed, I could get someplace with her. Mm. And I'm like, how many guys just take that as, this is what we do? Look, how many guys will, you know, so many years later ask themselves, did I take mm-hmm. advantage that's that's i'm finding that's common now i'm having conversations with at least you know a handful of men mm-hmm. who are concerned <laughs> about things that happened so long ago and that's no, wonderful i think you have to well, but, but but let me ask you this adrian do you think that it's legitimate do you think that it's an authentic when let's say if a guy were to say to you oh you know what we happened what happened a couple of years back it could be an authentic hey i'm really sorry and did this happen or it could be sort of an artificial superficial thing it depends on the individual. Yeah. You know, and and I, I I have a hard time generalizing about these kind right. of philosophical moments until yeah. I'm talking about somebody in particular. Sure. Right. And I'm, I guess I'm lucky enough that the handful of men that I've had, you know, very different kind of hints at, at these questions with, yeah. mm-hmm. I m- <laughs> four of them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I look at and, and, and say this person is really concerned and is really disturbed mm-hmm. by the possibility Right. Of, of something that we're all, I think, as a culture, still trying to name and define, which right. makes it hard to answer that question, mm-hmm. especially if you can't ask the woman or the man right. directly anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, uh, I th- there, there, there are some men who are really woke, and they're like, hey, listen, I really want to have a, you know, when I was young, I never really thought of having a friendship with a woman. It was either, hey, listen, either I can get into her pants or have a relationship with her, or she doesn't exist, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which is a horrible way of looking at things, and right. I think a lot of boys grow up that way. Right. Well, and I, I also think at a certain age, I was all about sex, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's part of growing up. Right, sure. There's also a part of growing up that involves educating yourself and becoming an adult. Right. Yes. But you can put both of them together yeah. and still look at a situation and say, that was inappropriate. Right. Exactly. If you're woke. If you, if right. you, you know, there's some people who are concerned about, hey, this is inappropriate. There's some people who are like, hey, listen, I've been doing this for years. Who has the right to tell me right. well, what I'm doing wrong? Right. It's an automatic response. And we, you know, all of us have it. It's yeah. a knee-jerk response because we know what that means. We've all had that mm-hmm. sensation and you can't help it. You immediately respond. But if we don't have this conversation right now, this election is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because men are now afraid and they've. Those people who want to take advantage of this situation mm-hmm. have already done it. Men are afraid that somebody is going to accuse them, mm-hmm. and they're going to vote from that fear. I think that is true. And Trump is is expanding that. He's putting, you know, what do they call it, um, gasoline on the flame by basically saying men should be afraid. He actually – he's in, he's he's in these rallies. But that's what I'm saying. So if we don't have this conversation, because <coughs> I think two things need to happen. One, we have to say there's a big situation here that we all can agree is not a good thing. So let's own that. And now that we've owned that, rather than feeling like every man is potentially going to be prosecuted, I mean, I don't know. We, can we do something like they did in South Africa? Can mm-hmm. we do a truth and reconciliation? Um, I, can, I don't even know the playwright, but there's a beautiful play about that mm-hmm. where they had – because they had – it was like a court. They is it went Fugard? to court. It's not Fugard. Okay. Um, but they went to court, and they had to tell their truth. Like, you were a guard, and you did this, and these things happen, and these people have come to testify against you. To, not against you. That's the smart thing about it. It's not an adversarial thing. We want to get the truth out. And by getting the truth out, we're not going to prosecute you. 
But we want to say, you did that. That went on. That was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now we can move on. Now that we all own that, now that we don't come up with some language that Mm -hmm. excuses it and says, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein, so I'm not that Mm. bad. No, you're still in the category of bad. Mm. Yeah. Whoever came up with that truth and reconciliation, even idea, is is wild that it's possible. They haven't moved forward since then, unfortunately. But um, so I'm not sure what we need to. But we need to do. We I think we've got to own this if we want this election to go the way we want it to go, because we need to start thinking about, hey, my sister, my wife, my mm-hmm. child, my mother. Mm-hmm. These are the people who deserve equal protection and yeah. they don't have it right now. So yeah. and also think about I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the degree of what to because we talked about this with Al Franken. I still think about that. He did something, you know, sexually inappropriate right. years and years ago. Right. I happen to think that, you know, he's a much different individual now, but yet he still faces the punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a senator. He right. chose anymore. to step down. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think he was sort of pushed. Oh, he, mm-hmm. he was told, hey, you really yeah. need to step down. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Right. And I don't know if that's, I mean, I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, there are certain people who. They do it and they own up to it. Like, you know, Kavanaugh is not like Al Franken. You know, he may right. have done something a long time ago. But he's like, well, n- not only did I not do it, but that's just not the person I am. And he's clearly, I think he's clearly lying. Right. Um, but Franken's like, yes, I did it and I'm really, really sorry. But yet he gets the punishment. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I think that level of punishment, because part of the reason you punish somebody like that is mm-hmm. to say to society, this behavior is this inappropriate. We are not going to tolerate it. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to attack every guy who's ever done something like that. We would. The majority of our culture, <laughs> male culture, would be in jail. Yeah. But um, but I think we need the guys to own it. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. you know, I, one of the things I love at the alley is there's a young woman named Mandy. And mm-hmm. I love, I've been going for years, and every now and then an attractive woman comes in and starts hanging out. And you see it. It's like sharks or something. These guys start <laughs> yeah. showing up and they start trying to talk. Well, she's got this way of responding that is just mean, for lack of a better word. And the guys will say, well, wait a minute. I'm just trying to talk to you. And I'm talking to you, she'll say. But, yeah, her tone, her demeanor is all just in attack It's all no. Yeah. But with a smile because she's enjoying the game. The guy's trying to pretend like, no, I was just – no, you're not trying to talk to me. You're trying to get up on me. Mm -hmm. You're trying to Mm -hmm. find your way in, and I'm saying, no, stay an appropriate distance. Be appropriate with me, and we're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just – it's a joy to watch. It's one of the little games that I love at the alley is to watch these guys get spun as they try to hang in. And the guys who do actually hang in. Like, she ran up to me last night and gave me a hug. Happy birthday and gave me a hug. And I was like, oh, I learned early on with her, don't approach her. <laughs> you know, if I walk over and say hi, I walk over and say hi, knowing that we're going to have this little sparring match. And that's fine. And then, you know, for the last, I don't know, six months or so, I'm somehow on the inside now. So I'm the guy that gets to sit there and watch mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> while the next guy walks up. And I'm like... This is actually okay. Women should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Guys do this all the time. Yeah. It reminds me of Frank Herbert's Dune. There's a a line where Paul of Atreides says, the slow blade finds the mark. Where, you know, basically don't rush. Don't, you know, if you want something, you know, don't grab it. But take your time. Yeah. Um, Or are you talking about this kind of example? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, just because you see something or someone that you think you like because she's eye candy or whatever. Right. Treat her like a human being. Right. 
a you slow know. blade, though, is that kind of well. A basically, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's now that's probably inappropriate uh, analogy and not <laughs> penetration. You know, okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it was beautifully take put. Your time. That's what I mean. Well, you will get right. to know if if you. I mean, that, well, that's the whole point. Like, it, right. is it is, is it a getting to know or is it? A, I'm going to play this game slowly until I can get in your pants. You know, it's a. It depends. Yeah. yeah. And I. I, I I mean, well, I, I can only get into these things if I think of an exact example that right. might be the actor yeah. in me. But, like, just personally, I know uh, I'm very interested in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if it's if it has, has a nice quote that right. that has a whole other context and a whole other history behind it and the connotations of, of, of literature. And if, if I'm – and I have had an experience of talking to a man about this and it became clear over time mm-hmm. that it was, it was wholeheartedly sexual. Mm-hmm. And that uh, – probably because it took some time uh, was almost more painful mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, when I realized that none of what I was saying was landing, mm. and none of what I say what I was saying was actually insp- inspirational to this individual, mm-hmm. and, and and all the consequences of of that time and realizing that I didn't exist in that kind of a way right. was for a time traumatizing, mm-hmm. and it and that's when you say slow blade, I'm like, oh well, <laughs> that's one way of slow blading it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, just I, g- I think in my analogy meant. Take your time, oh, yeah. you know, like like yeah. what you were saying normally. Well, not just take your time. Then mm-hmm. you've gone from eye candy to, oh, you're actually interested in something that I like. Exactly. Or, oh, wow, the way you think. Mm-hmm. And what I found any number of times, because like I said, I've been at the alley for years, and I've been single. I was single for most of that time. And I learned way before I ever became an alley person that I just don't do well in bars. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I don't have whatever it is. <laughs> it does not work for me. A woman, I've had women tell me later that they thought they were interested in me. In that moment, no. It some it did not communicate. It just didn't. And then you know, later, we, we'll refer back to it. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I, I thought you were interesting the first time I saw you. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I felt, all I felt was stop, slow down, yeah. go that way, yeah. leave me alone. But that's another example of you getting a signal and, uh, you know, someone is like, no, that wasn't a signal at all. Mm-hmm. Like, so we and we're gonna let's. I'm, I'm trying to merge this into theater. Yeah. So, rehearsal, not necessarily our rehearsal, but there was a rehearsal where there was a guy and a woman. They were doing a scene, mm-hmm. and the two of them were not communicating. It was very obvious that they were not communicating off stage. Right. They weren't working on their relationship. Right. And we needed to have the relationship happen on stage. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I as a stage manager, I talked to the male actor, and I was like, hey, listen, what's going on? I'm like, I'm, he's like, I'm not getting anything from her. You know, she's not talking to me, and, you know, she probably just hates me and whatever, and it just, well, the hell with it. I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do. And then I talked to the woman, and she's like, listen, I'm just getting some really bad vibes, and I just don't know how to approach <laughs> him. And I'm like, well, two of you can talk to each other. Well, he could talk to me. I mean, you know. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> and... You know, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the performance went okay, but it could have been much, much better. It's it's yeah. classic, though. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the classic diva situation. You know, you've got two huge egos, and and we all read a script. We all have our own image of what that script's supposed to be, and suddenly your scene partner isn't what's in your head. And mm-hmm. the smart actor makes space for that and mm-hmm. says, oh, okay, I now have to rethink the character. I thought the character was two inches taller. 
The character's not two inches taller. Mm -hmm. Or I thought the character, I thought this actor would be more interesting Mm -hmm. to me, but. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we we took a little break there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, it's, it really does come down to egos. When you get gender in it, that's where I, I can't help it. I am a black man, so of course I look at the world through that lens and what does my society see mm-hmm. versus what I see? Yeah. And, you know, when did I finally get confident enough to trust that my perspective is valid? And now we're in that same communication in gender. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be hard for men to go there. I, I think men, number one, it's going to be invisible. So men are going to be like, what are you talking about? I, I don't see that. I don't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. It's like, yes, you don't see it and you don't know it. That does not mean it doesn't yeah. exist. Same thing. With, I think you said uh, what Trump had said about what it's hard to be a man. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. To, he said it's hard to be a white man. Right. To, and it's just, I think it's the same kind of voting <coughs> fear now. Yeah. I'm going to see, I mean, we already see it in, uh, in the apparent resurgence of, mm-hmm. of white Men, right. neo Nazis, you know, right. yeah, this yeah. Is, it's the same type of fear-based organizing, which is a scary word when they have weapons and and, right. and, and then yeah. voting, it yeah. defensive identity politics voting mm-hmm. that yeah. refuses to talk about the I, I don't hate I think nuance is a word that's overused refuses oh. to talk about the nuance of yeah. every single situation because we're talking about law which is necessarily generalized right. But it's popular now, I think, yeah, it to is. ask both conversations simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I hope it, it keeps becoming more and more popular to talk about it and not just to, to, to emote. Right. But then I was talking to um, uh, uh, Katie Rubin, who's doing a piece with Aurora, mm-hmm. a one-woman show coming up. She's developing it oh. based on sexual harassment in the th- in theater workplace. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about um, how... You know, you have to also start the conversation with there is definitely a place, usually a first place, for emoting, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you make room to like pick apart that emotion right. in a conversation. But you can't, as an actor, you can't also you can't really like talk about what the scene's about until you've kind of lived the emotion or imagined uh, living through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very similar. I'm yeah. trying to make all the connections at the same yeah. time right now. Yeah, no, <laughs> bring no. it back to theater. No, no, yeah, to bring it back to theater. And I, you know, you talk about the white man's privilege, but I had to realize that I have a privilege as well as a black man. Right. And I never thought of me having a privilege. I'm like, hey, you know, I've had to go through hardships and stuff like that. So, but there is a privilege. And when I walk on stage, especially, and I've got a scene with an actress, I have to, it's imperative for me to communicate off stage and on stage mm-hmm. to identify what our relationship is. And I, I've learned there's a phrase that I've learned to, you know, give to an actress. Say, listen, am I communicating the right way to, to you? Am I being appropriate to you? I may think in my head, oh, this is fine, but I don't right. know that. You have to tell me, is it fine? That's what it, being a you said, smart actor is. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, in any situation, Coming face to face with another individual, yes. actor, yes. and and saying, okay, where do we, wh- where does my reality n- possibly, you know, verge from yours? Mm-hmm. Where does my privilege kind of prevent me from seeing yours? Yes, and then, oh, can I put that away and maybe explore yours? Yes, mm-hmm. Th- that's and that's you know, kind of playful, fun. Like it's fine. I can yes. be less for a second, or seemingly less for a second, mm-hmm. and just try out yours. Yes, if that doesn't work. Hopefully, you can do the same. Yeah, and if you have a director who's good, mm-hmm. you know it's smart directing <laughs> exactly. to manage I mean, that. 
<laughs> well, I think about Kim Donovan and Barry uh, Graves, and you're pumping your feet, Andrean, because you've worked with Kim Donovan <laughs> before, right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've both studied for Kim. Both of you were in Anton's Oh, no, show. I didn't work with her. Sorry. Yes. I've seen her in yes. Dirty Butterfly, and now yeah. I've, like, oh, I'm feeling yeah. like I'm... I know her. <laughs> I've right. heard her on the yay. It's wonderful theater bond because, you know, Kim was in Dirty Butterfly, Anton's Well production. You were in 448 Psychosis, mm -hmm. an Anton's Well production. But Kim and Barry, and I've seen them act, well, not act, but, you know, communicate off stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kim is an older actress right. who plays the wife, Ellen mm -hmm. Wright, to, um, to Barry's Richard. And they'll say, hey, listen, you know, that was great. And, you know, what do I need to do to make this work? Hey, can we try this? Can we try that? Mm -hmm. And it's like... Two collaborators working, right. you know, one-on-one -on -one within, the, you know, with the, the scope. There's a smaller scope of them working mm -hmm. together, and mm -hmm. then they're working within the bigger scope of staying within your direction, your, you know, dream. I'm talking to Norman, your perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it all works out, and that's exactly what you look for as a director, actors working things out without just getting something from you or having mm -hmm. you solve their problem. Well, and I had to add a new tool in because I've heard about it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I loved, I forget what I first heard or read. It was um, something like an intimacy um, choreographer, intimacy yeah. coach. Yeah. And, you know, and it was done like a fight choreographer, the idea. And as soon as that concept get, went into my brain, I went, how frigging cool. <laughs> because I know what a fight choreographer's number one job is is safety. And the number two thing is communication, you know. Make sure that each actor knows what is going to be safe. Yeah. Stay safe. Now, make sure that each actor knows to check in with the other with their scene partner so that they can go through this experience together safely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then on top of that, you can layer whatever things each of them brings to it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we had a few rehearsals and we there were a few times, yeah, there were at least two or three times where I would say to our producer, Karen, Corinne, Mm -hmm. um, please come to rehearsal tonight because there's going to be one woman in a room with like mm. four guys, <laughs> which um. is something I had not thought about. And <laughs> and they're going to be doing this intimate two person scene. I really want another woman in the room. Yeah, that's wonderful. And to add race, the woman, um, whether it be Kim or Priya or whatever, I mm -hmm. mean, usually there will be like three or four black men and right. one woman who is not black. Right. And, of course, I don't think about things like that, but right. it happens. Right. Yeah, I'm used to going the – I'm used to being the minority, the the only little one in the room, and, mm -hmm. and I'm used to navigating that way. So when I'm in a situation where it's not that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you people will be fine because <laughs> mm. this is, you know, majority culture. This is all great. And instead, it was just, you know, I'm like, wow, I really want these people to get to a vulnerable place. I have to create an environment <laughs> where that's even possible. And then I have to, and I had to, give them permission mm -hmm. to talk to each other. <laughs> yes. Is it okay if I touch you? You know, is it okay if I step in? Um, because once you've established that communication, now we can get in the scene and I can already do the mm -hmm. just, you know, look in your eyes and do the, okay, this is that moment. I'm coming in. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. yeah, so now we've got these wonderful little tender moments, and the actors were not finding it. And that was the other thing. I was trying to be respectful of the actors' process, so we didn't get there until about halfway into the mm -hmm. process because I, the first couple of times through, the first one was just let's find out where we are in the script and put a context to this. The second time really was let me see where you're going. And the third time it was like, okay, it's time to introduce this concept mm -hmm. and start yeah. to yeah. encourage them to find a way to, to get a little closer. Yeah. Before I ask you this question, Adrian, 
Well, I find fascinating, especially doing Four Men and Parents, because we have a lot of intimacy scenes. But the one couple that immediately got into the intimacy without any trouble at all, I mean, not that there were troubles with <laughs> others, but mm-hmm. the communication was not a problem, were the two men. We have a gay scene. Right. And the men, I mean, not, I don't want to stereotype at all, but mm-hmm. the men had no problem communicating with one another right. and just jumping right into it. And I found well, that fascinating. they also <laughs> took the process with them was very much like sculpting. You start, you finish that first day and you're like, okay, I got a lump. This is just the scene as a lump. And the next time it's like, wow, it's getting some texture and there's some. This there's is a, a great analogy. There's, there, there's an evocative something here, but it's still a lump. It's a lump with evocative shapes. Mm-hmm. And finally, in the last week, it is just every time it <laughs> yeah. is just gelled more and more yeah, and more. Yeah, they're finding new and newer, newer things. They're and still so working. It went from it's a fantastic two thing. Relatively young actors awkwardly moving through a mm-hmm. scene to two actors that are having these moments that you can feel the audience like laser beams just mm-hmm. staring mm-hmm. and watching and it's not just that they're almost naked yeah <laughs> oh that okay i look forward to seeing it today. yeah <laughs> and i am <laughs> now adrian let, uh, let me ask you we're talking about you know like intimacies you know that we've yeah. seen but i'm sure you've had to go through things like that as well mm-hmm. as an actress what have your experiences, good or bad, about just dealing with intimacy? It's fascinating to hear a director speak because mm-hmm. I've never put myself in that position. I think so it's always like the director is always another human being right. who, who is there for, for uh, to use a different word besides direction, to mm-hmm. be original, for, to provide a container um, and some little, some little limits and boundaries within which to bounce and play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the first moment of exploration, moment meaning weeks or so right, yeah. uh, of exploration, is wonderful to hear that a director, say, is encouraged. Because, you know, I, I always wonder if that's actually encouraged, and I just do it anyway until I'm told to pull back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's more of a, of a back and forth, like I'm, I'm going to use the word again, conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in Within w- words or without words, mm-hmm. the, like, the director will say, okay, now, that's your limit, and that's your limit. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, do what you were doing before, but much more contained right. or with, within that boundary. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I feel safe because right. there's somebody outside mm-hmm. who, who I'm trusting. Right. And that's a constant process of, of, of we've, we've revisited trust and mm-hmm. renewed trust to who's watching. Right. Um, which, you know, can have a, a voyeuristic connotation, but who's watching – from a distance and is not going to right. like invade in any way and is watching for the purpose of the safety container. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if um, okay, this, this, yeah, mainly for intimacy scenes. Right. Um, the other, other scenes is like, do whatever you want, especially in Douglas Morrison stage, which is mm-hmm. just huge. Right. I remember having fun just like running back and forth and back and forth. And yeah, back and forth. yeah, that's right. Um, but the intimacy scenes, it, I think it makes a whole lot of difference to have somebody from the outside who has already built up that trust, who has, who has, is giving everybody mm-hmm. the same boundaries, right. the same vocabulary to work into in between, yeah, yeah. and then say, now do what you do so so good and find your connection and mold your sculpture. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because you say I also as an actor being in that situation. I sort of, I guess I just trusted that the stage manager and the director were holding a space. But as a director, I suddenly started going, wait a minute, I've got to turn off that actor hat. Mm. Because, yeah, now it is my responsibility (laughs) to make that space, to hold that space. And to hold it in such a way so that people, 
there are actors I always frustrate because they really need to explore in their way and they feel like I'm, you know, hamstring, you know, they feel hamstrung hmm. by the way I'm trying to contain them. And then there are other actors who aren't going to do anything unless I'm like almost physically pushing them. And to start to navigate that and to try and put it in a bigger context so that I'm, so that I can come up with a set of rules. I, I love having an understanding of what the big picture is that I'm trying to accomplish. And then within that, I have to deal with all the individuals. But <laughs> I have to hold on to that. So when I'm doing a scene and the two people are just flowing, uh, Barry and Kim, pretty much from day one, were able to start having a, a softer communication, mm. you know, an appropriately mm -hmm. soft communication so that we saw that this is an old relationship. Mm. That they, you know, That's that, impressive. Yeah, they, they kind of started falling into it very early, whereas our gay couple – it was two actors really kind of hanging on to a script when yeah. we started out. <laughs> which, which sort of works because, you know, Kim and Barry are playing a couple that have been together for uh, maybe 20 years yeah. or so. You know, they're playing Richard and Ellen Wright, who were married, I believe, in 1947, mm -hmm. and the scene takes place in 1960. Mm -hmm. So that makes mm -hmm. sense that there's an older relationship and they know how to relate to one another. Right. Whereas Francois and James Baldwin, it's, it's a, a one-night hookup. hookup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then that works. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was great because that was the other thing was to say to the actors, so that weirdness, your, your uncertainty, your vulnerability in this moment as a person is going to be useful to us. You know, now, and it's so funny, I, I, if I'm teaching, then I will ask questions and expect answers. Mm. When I'm directing, I'm just throwing the questions out there to see if I can light a, you know, a thought mm -hmm. in, the, in the actor's head. So there were a lot of times talking about, well, okay, so have you had a hookup <laughs> that morning after when you have to do that? And, and I'm saying it thinking to myself, me? Almost never. <laughs> but, um, but I know people do it. I see it in the movies. <laughs> and what's easy to know is I know the, there was one time specifically in Oakland, one time where, yeah, wake up the next morning and go, Oh my God! I am naked in bed with another human being who I don't really know. This is a weird moment, and so to get the actors to think about that, so to let them have their discomfort mm. in trying mm. to work through this process and say, "Don't hide from the discomfort. Use it. Make the discomfort exactly. part of what's yeah. exactly doing. right." And now hold that for a whole rehearsal period and a run. <laughs> hold yeah. that same discomfort. Yeah, that's the acting challenge then. Well, w mm. and well. Now attach it to the script. Mm -hmm. Attach it to places and moments in your scene mm -hmm. so that you have a reason to mm -hmm. hold on yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. But, of course, yeah. that takes technique and all that stuff. Well, and I'm going yeah. to merge from that <laughs> into an origin story for Adrian Dean because I'm interested in what techniques you use and, you know, what schooling you've had. Mm -hmm. But first, but, yeah, how did you first, get started? How did you get started? Are you, <laughs> are you a native of California? I, I'm Berkeley born and raised. Oh, wow, which yeah. is rare because right. everyone is like a transplant. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I decided to wear Cow. everything today. Cow. Cow. Nobody can cow. see this except these two gentlemen <laughs> that I'm covered in cow. Yeah, blue and gold, right yes. on. Yeah. Cow bears, go. Yeah. I don't even know how the season's going, you know how, how the. Oh, I've stopped doing. watching their football. <laughs> <laughs> it's they, that bad, huh? They got bad 
my freshman year, I was like, oh, well, thanks, great. <laughs> mm, no, I stopped. I started watching rugby. Yeah. So does that mean you're steeped in Bay Area theater? Did you start with that with a ch- as a child? I didn't start until um, after college. Oh, really? Really? I, yeah. So as a kid, you didn't uh, do like a, you know no. uh, theater when you were in elementary school? And no, all that stuff? I no. was on track to being, I think, probably whatever my dad and mom wanted me to be, which was like a professor of like oh. German or something, okay. <laughs> or philosophy. You know, mm. um, actually, though, that's German not true. Philosophy. It was ma- I think it was mainly my dad. I was identifying with academically and then it, my mom I was surprised to, to realize I was kind of following organically once I, de- I chose my own steps um, because she did have some theater it did have some mm. some music and and I it was kind of a shock I was like oh but I feel like I was still an organic me choice mm-hmm. uh, and that happened after college I think. Yeah. Are you? An, are, uh, do you have siblings? I have one younger sister. Yeah. Okay. And w- what does she do? She, uh, I think, right now she works still for uh, Fairmont Hotel in Dallas. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to visit them very soon because she has a. I have a little niece now. Nice. Yeah. So in college, well, what I mean, did you study theater undergrad? Uh, so yeah, so I went abroad to Scotland for one year. Came back my junior year. Came back senior year ready to do everything except focus on studies. Mm-hmm. Um, got through all my major stuff and then just did film and theater. So I did have one year of just mm-hmm. theater classes yeah. at college. Yeah. What made you jump into it as if you didn't really <laughs> grow up? <in laughs> it was the last thing I thought I ever wanted to do. And I had some free time, and I was like, this is the time to do it. I have one year left. What uh-huh. am I going to do? And so I did, yeah. I met Rose Ozer, who is um, a Faultline co-artistic director. Okay. Now also works at Z-Space there. She did, gave me my first experience of musical theater and mm-hmm. theater in general. Wait, Faultline. Faultline is theater? Faultline Theater. Faultline, yeah. They, oh. they work out of uh, Piano Fight. Ah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought dance. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, dance well, but no. not theater. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another theater company assi- al- aligned with uh, Piano Fight. Piano Fight yeah. has been doing a lot of a lot of cool stuff. It's yep. it's. I really think. Well, a lot of things are a bubble. I think it's a bubble, and so we should enjoy this moment in time because it will evolve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So after school, well, I want this is a thing that I love to talk about, and I don't know how Norma feels about it, but technique. I mean, what what technique did you uh. learn in, in school? Um, if anything, no. Okay. No. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I, 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 I do know the value of, 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 of learning somebody else's vocabulary technique-wise and sure. somebody else's vocabulary technique-wise, but mm-hmm. I find it usually just points me to that person, and, and mm, yes, which is fine, you know, and I can get into it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if, I'm, if I take a Meisner class, right. I'm, I'm learning about Meisner, right. the person, right. and then maybe about the other actors in my class and how mm-hmm. they respond to Meisner, and then if I take a step back, I'm like, oh, Dean, focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, how does this land mm, with you? That's an interesting analogy. I or mean, a way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Like I think about like with Stella Adler or mm-hmm. Lee Strasberg. You're absolutely right. right. No, yeah. I never. And it's funny because I, Reg asks this question to people and I just usually sit quietly because mm, I but find. Not today. Well, no, because <laughs> of what you just said that you have to kind of step back at some point and go, what am I, what's for me? What is, what's, how does, how is this me? How is this? Mm-hmm. It's a tool. But is this a tool that I need to it's just grab a tool. on? Yeah. It, um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like I always think about acting in terms of language. So mm-hmm. it's somebody else's vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And if it's a character I'm trying to learn, I'm learning their vocabulary. Right. Um, and same with how I get from directors. Like, sure, you go ahead and explore. Mm-hmm. Um, but now 
if I need boundaries, the boundaries come in the form of vocabulary. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I mean that in terms of words coming right, from yeah. the director and then how I will digest those words mm -hmm. as the character. And that gives me nice boundaries, nice right. limits. <coughs> Otherwise, I'm just exploding across the stage. Mm -hmm. um, and and as, if I think about it that way, then I can separate Dean, myself, mm -hmm. from this other person's technique and language. And I think that makes it easier mm -hmm. to then incorporate it, whatever bits of it actually land with me, mm -hmm. and then just you know, digest and pass through the rest of it <laughs> <laughs> to use a sort of crude, crude way of looking yeah. at it. No, I totally understand. Now, yeah, because I do believe that, you know, whatever technique, you know, that one uses or don't use is mm. just a tool. But I think a tool is better than having no tool at all. Because then you're just exploding. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Well, or you're that... You're that exceptional actor. It's like um, I went to see the, uh, what is it called, um, Love Gilda, the oh. documentary about Gilda Radner. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you got to experience Gilda Radner in her heyday, you you can't help but want to see this. It's She's a gorgeous person, an incredibly talented person. She's also very much her own person, and that becomes clear in the documentary. I don't think the documentary is all that great, honestly. I mean, if you love Gilda you will enjoy the documentary, mm -hmm. but you aren't likely to find out a whole lot more than you, and that's a failing on the, their part, the filmmaker's part. They open things like um, she was taking uh, diet pills as a kid, mm. and she had an eating problem, mm. and they never deal with, and what happened with that. Yeah. Um, and then there's one clip at one point where you can see she is just skin and bones. Yeah. Um, For those who don't know Gilda Radner, she was an S. She was a Saturday Night Live alum. Yeah, uh, and very the beginning. First, the first season, she was the first person hired. Yeah, Gene Wilder. She got with Gene Wilder. That's right. That's okay. right. And yeah. that's those are th what I love at both of them. They're they're very iconic. Gene Wilder repeatedly has said in interviews, "I'm not a comedian. Hmm. I'm a comic actor." And every time he said that, I thought. That's what I would rather be because a comedian is a very specific thing. You're somebody who's chasing the laugh, and you understand humanity on that level, and that's fine. It, it, for the people who are successful at it, that's great. But we all know those comedians that are sort of second or third tier because all that you know is that they're chasing after the laugh. To take an actor who brings their talent and their skills to it and find stuff is amazing. With somebody like Gilda, it's like you always see Gilda – even though her characters are, you know, she has a nice range, a spectrum of characters, but there's a way you always see Gilda in there. And I, as an actor, that's, that's way more exciting mm. to me. Um, I love, and it's become second nature to me, so it's horrible when I'm directing and I try to, like I did with Mike, uh, Mike Dorado oh, yes. is in the show and he mm -hmm. plays the officer at one point. So he has to be this, like, cop, investigator type. And... He plays Sartre also. So these need to be very different characters. Well, if I were doing it, vocally I'd be working. Re I did it the last thing I did um, the spring. Um, I had a bunch of characters, and I just started giving each one different qualities, vocal qualities, physical qualities. So I'm throwing these things at him, and they're mm -hmm. just not sticking. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so try this with your voice. Okay, that didn't work. Try this with your body. That didn't work. I, I, the last note I gave, mm -hmm. <laughs> did you see that? No, I didn't see it. Tell me. Um, I sent out to the actors as we were getting through run-throughs at notes, and I, I was kind of in a rush, so I was like, how can I say this quickly? Uh-oh. What if he needs to take a shit? 
<laughs> make this a guy who needs to take a shit. From the second he walks yeah. on stage, he needs to take a shit. Mm-hmm. Just so you will move differently. And yeah. it didn't work? <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. look last night, actually. Oh, okay. And he's also in a big trench yeah. coat, so it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to see having, his ass. He's having so much fun. He's having fun as Sartre and as a detective. He's That's always detective. finding mm. – one of the cool things about Michael Dorado, and he's a we had him on the A, and he's a Bindlestiff uh, guy. Bindlestiff Studios. That's a Philippine studio in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, very physical actor. Yeah. You know, he's just like – it's almost like football or whatever. He's right. just, you know, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think – You'd prefer to have someone that you can calm, tone down rather than someone that you have to, you know, mm-hmm. pick up or whatever. I think as a director, you would prefer mm-hmm. an actor that way. Um, I'm fascinated with actors where I really have to get into their process because mm-hmm. that's where they work best. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I love – I l- learning my own tool – creating my own toolbox, mm-hmm. I now want to say, hey, use this wrench. Hey, yeah. this the <laughs> screwdriver is the right tool for this. Use this scene. norm wrench. Use this norm screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> and make it and yours. Right, and yeah, sometimes that works, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. I'm yeah. really interested in what you're saying about the bringing. It's it's always interesting to see an actor in a role to see part of them in the role. Right, and there's it feels like there's a difference between character actors. Right. What we call, I think it's still being defined, but we kind of yep. like we're like mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, you know, right, or yeah. um, but not Meryl Streep. For right. some reason, yeah. um, and I can only do it by examples. I don't know. Um, sure. so there's like a character actor, and then there's just an actor who gives a shit, right? One who is who cares about this work because it means something to them personally. Mm-hmm. And they, the character actor can, you know, of course, can do that too. And I think it's inevitable. But like you'll, you'll see, always see the actor, especially once they're famous, right? right? You see the actor in their role, and you're like, I just love this person, so I'm going to go watch this movie, and believe everything they do, mm-hmm. and believe that this this one person is doing all these different things with their lives. Um, uh, Stan and Ollie, that film is about to come out. Oh. And um, I think the actor's name is, is John C. Calhoun, I think. The big guy? Yeah. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> well, so he um, he was in, I did God of Carnage a few years ago. He's in Roman Polanski's Carnage. And I was playing the same role, and I was like, Wow, it, like at the time it was so not useful to me because <laughs> I can't be a big guy. <laughs> so I was like, well, but I'm curious and fascinated that he it's an intense role. And I was like, wow, I didn't think of him as that kind of an actor. Well, now he's playing, and I can never get them right, Stan and Ollie, the, whoever the big one is. Uh, you know, um, Laurel Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't help he's, he's, <laughs> he's playing the big one. Yeah. And I saw the previews, and there was only when they got to a close-up where I went – Oh my God, that's him! Yeah, I know. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, the transformation is and just fantastic. Was, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, wow, that's that's exactly the actor I want to be. Yeah. I mm. love just letting because that there are two truths that I found really useful. One is whatever idea you have of the story in your head, your scene partner is the character. Mm. They are the characters. Sure. However, they're not the character in the way that you thought they should have been. You need to own that and see if you can use that in your process or get rid of it. Because if you don't play off of that person on stage with you, the audience is going to see misconnections. They're going to see something that, you know, a static, a sort of psychic static that is getting in the way. It's interesting, especially when you deal with relationships or opposite sex, thinking on a heterosexual level where, Mm -hmm. let's say, you're in a role and – you you have an, uh, a mindset. I mean, like in dating, right. you may have a mindset of what the woman's going to say if you're a sure. man, mm-hmm. right. and she doesn't say it, and let's say it throws you off. Right. That could be a bad date. 
Or you can say, you know what, this is a clean slate of paper. I don't know who this person is. Let me discover and find out who she is. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more there then to exactly. possibly own or have or experience. Yeah. That's exactly right. And as an actor, I feel the same way. It's like, listen, I have an idea of who my partner is and mm-hmm. what this role is. Right. But I need to have that clean slate of paper yeah. analogy to see what she he or she yeah. are, is going to give me. Mm-hmm. And this goes right back to privilege. We're exactly. Ta- we were talking yeah. about this exact same thing, but the word privilege was in there. That's exactly and I right. Think with privilege, it's just kind of, it's much more charged yes. and probably right. less conscious and therefore more threatening. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's really the same thing. It's being curious about somebody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and knowing that as soon as you do that, there's, there's a free, freeing kind of sense there mm-hmm. as well as a way to just explore so much more. Do I need to fall? No, you don't need to take a fall. Just okay. No, it's funny because we have the show today. Um, mm-hmm. This afternoon, I'm getting messages, so apparently I'm <laughs> going to be doing a couple of art trips. Oh, <laughs> is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, carpool. Yeah. Yeah, we have to go pick people. But Adrian, up. let me ask you a question regarding this whole privilege thing, or whatever. And also, I want to ask your first experience on stage in in the oh, Bay Area. Okay. But um, have you had to deal with? I mean, just working, whether it be an intimacy scene or just a scene with another partner, where you're having difficulty with communication or um, just you know, tell me what your experience is as an actress um, having dealing dealing with these sort of stuff. Uh, where I, okay. Um, uh, play. Okay. <laughs> if there's any, I mean, at the beginning of any relationship, any, any acting mm. moment, if you, if you can make room for play. Yes. Mm. That usually solves the problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bef- until you know, and if, until director goes, great, you guys got that out of your system. Now let's bring it in, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and make it something that's that's carved and, and shaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't get out of this analogy sure. of the of the molding now. Yeah, um, but because it's something about laughter, mm-hmm. and I think comedians know mm-hmm. that immediately bonds the humans, right? Um, and and uh, good comedians now use it nowadays use it to also name some hard truths so like you're laughing right. think about why you're laughing first right yeah. yeah but the laughter itself immediately bonds and immediately just like I'm being very physical right now nobody right. else can see this but mm-hmm. I'm immediately just just relaxes mm-hmm. yeah all of that the threat that we feel like if if somebody sees this or somebody doesn't do this then mm-hmm. I'm threatened somehow mm-hmm. it immediately just kind of shakes off that off a little bit mm-hmm. um, not necessarily intellectually or consciously so you still have to go through that process to prevent it from happening again sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but for the sake of two strangers meeting for a scene especially if it's one that's well any good scene is going to be you know intimate and vulnerable right then if you can have that moment of mm-hmm. ha slap slap you're a human i'm a human what do you want to do let's right. try it yeah. let's just try it you know yeah. that that solves yeah. all my problems. Now, have yeah. you ever deal with, because, you know, you may have a way, you may not have a problem with playing and just exploring, yeah. but you may deal with an actor who they're not interested in that at yeah. all. Yeah, what if play's not possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, maybe even more to the point, especially if, uh, if my play in some way is just too threatening to them. Oh, th- yeah, that's mm-hmm. true, too. I have to be aware of that. And, you know, it's being aware of somebody else's boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the reason the whole structure of the theater yeah. the rehearsal process is there. So you have the director, you have the stage manager, who mm-hmm. is a great source of bump, 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 this, now, this, now, this, now. Right. And that's 
that's relaxing mm-hmm. for actors right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for this same reason, as well as the whole theater itself, the um, the company, I mean, yeah. and then you know, whatever board is there. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that structure's in place. Um, then I think I just, you know, I have to even more pull back yeah. of myself and open myself up to whatever they want to try. Yeah. And I can trust, I th- usually, that the director will look at that and go, mm-hmm. I see kind of what's happening Let's and then they'll give something. They'll give something yeah. active to both of us. Because I there was a production we did, Lifetimes Three, where one actor uh, there was a uh, director, Cecilia Palmtag, who was very interested, and she's done a lot of work at the flight deck, mm. and she's interested in physical acting, very much like Anton's. Well, and there was one actor who was like, "This is a bunch of BS," mm-hmm. and he just was not into it at all, and he dropped out of the uh, the oh. production. I don't know why he even joined, uh-huh. <laughs> because like, listen, you know, I think someone told you what the concept of it was mm-hmm. and what how the physicality that we needed. He was an older actor as well, mm-hmm. um, so that's why I bring it up because you may have a, a, a philosophy mm-hmm. of how theater is approached, but you may run into an actor who has a completely different. Well, also sometimes it's not that clear at the beginning. Yeah. Sometimes, like for Anton's, well, the three of us had no idea how much it was. Well, yeah, it was. It wasn't even designated in the script no. Right? <laughs> no. Like how many who yeah. you know how many actors our <laughs> only cue what? was that Bridget was involved and I was like oh Bridget she did Tender Napalm mm-hmm. oh Anastasia's in this oh it might be dance heavy <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah that's a smart actor because you know <laughs> yeah. okay this is what they did beforehand this is what they're aiming towards yeah, yeah but sometimes you know the, the director might think they're saying something very clear mm-hmm. and the actor just never came across that language before yeah. and has an other idea of what that means. You right. know, yeah. and then right. you have to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of another an actor who dropped out because uh, she just wasn't, for another company, another production, she just wasn't ready for the vision. Mm. And I don't know what happened there, And but now I've, I've seen how that show went, and I'm like, there's no way that that she would want to do this, mm-hmm. I don't think, um, yeah. if she had known. Yeah. Quick question. Um, you worked on Charlie's on 66, right? Yes. And Scott <laughs> Munson wrote that. Yes. Oh. It's a version, a 60s version of Charlie's Aunt. Uh-huh. And Scott Munson is known for taking Elizabethan, not Elizabethan, Classic. but Victorian yeah. classics right. and making it into a modern setting. Uh-huh. How was that experience? Because that was your time at the DMT. It was it was everything. Yeah. Mm. I have a, I have a and huge And you acted attachment. with Alan Coyne, right? Alan Coyne, yeah. And yeah. I'm also still very close to... Um, uh, Brooke Silva mm-hmm. and Samantha Razor, who are who are the other two uh, younger women in the play, as well as Dana Lewenthal, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. John Baldwin, Mike Bird has gone Equity, the traitor, mm-hmm. um, Kyle Goldman, um, got Ron, Ron, what's it, Ron, Talbot. Yeah, I don't <sighs> know. The, the okay, sorry. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's so okay, yeah. that was a wonderful experience yeah. for me, it, and I've already mentioned a few times about the running back and forth across the stage. Sure. Um, uh, Craig Souza is a fantastic director. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. had him on the A as well. Oh I've acted mm-hmm. with him. And I, yeah, we, we can't. We, uh, we all the actors couldn't stop talking about how efficient everything was and mm-hmm. how how much time we had to explore, mm-hmm. accept notes. We had it blocked and down way ahead of schedule. Yeah, and and then of course, sorry, we had a stage manager. Yeah. Um, I mean, Everything yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know if you remember Norma, but uh, Craig, Susan, when he talked about his experience in Charlie's Aunt, yeah. because we were talking about directing and how do you direct an actor, he was talking about, and it was in Charlie's Aunt 66, mm-hmm. where he wanted a joke to land, and the joke wasn't landing, and he had a problem, and he brought in Susan Evans, who he sort of learned from. Right. And I think Susan had talked about, you know, 
have the actor treat it as if it's serious, you know, as if oh, it yeah. were a serious line. Uh, uh-huh. And somehow the joke, you know, landed oh, because we were talking about how sometimes, you know, things aren't landing the way that you want. And how does the director find a different language to speak to a person who may not be getting it? Mm-hmm. So um, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you had fun with Scott's script. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just so grateful to people I met. Like, Alan and I were the ones running back and forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, see, that's yeah. what we were talking, you know, more abstractly before about, you know, um, styles and, mm-hmm. and philosophies. Yeah. Um, and your answer really was kind of, it becomes very individual, and it does. There are styles. And I, I got to do um, Moliere once. And I would love to do it again with a director who actually understands the style because it's a very different style of acting. Mm. And what I ended up having to do was follow the lead of the veteran actors in the show. Um, I was playing the young son and I started doing what they were doing because there's what the script says and the basic sort of structure Mm. of our staging. And neither of those were making that play come to life. But people making these long entrances just flying in <laughs> or flying out. I was like, that works. Okay, so I'm going to do that. And I started following them, and I realized, wow, there's a style to Moliere, and this director clearly does not understand that. And I was like, oh, man. And I didn't have that class. Maybe I was absent <laughs> that day or something. Well, speaking of style, can I use this as a, as a plug moment? Yes, yes please. please. Uh, the play I'm doing right now, seen by seen – forward slash by everyone yes is is japanese no kyogen infused well you're you're back to no no again because you did a no christmas yep. right mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. was it the same company yep same company okay. same director even okay. um but this one i find a little more difficult because mm-hmm. it's not wholly no or wholly kyogen yeah. or even wholly kabuki. and for those no is n-o-h yeah right. sorry. yeah and there's a lot of pun you can have with that <laughs> American English yeah. yeah yeah um Alan knows this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, so th- this one feels like it's not wholly that one style. Yeah. Whereas with Christmas Carol, I could hide. I could actually hide. If my, if my director's hearing me, he's going to be like, oh, you were hiding, were you? Mm-hmm. I was hiding behind the whole costumes of the Ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And I could just just basically make my gestures as significant and, and mm-hmm. clear, yeah. which is the style, yeah. as possible. And But this one I have to play somebody who's also kind of in between what we're calling the western style yeah and i think that's harder for me yeah and you were talking to me off mic about the plot of Mm -hmm. um this uh new play Mm -hmm. um seen by everyone Mm -hmm. where you're playing a spirit a person who's died yes and uh, norman and you and i have talked about this uh you received a it was a text or something from chuck polly who had died right (laughs) that was ridiculous yeah exactly and this the plot is sort of the same thing where this dead person is represented through text messaging or i don't know uh this online Mm -hmm. presence yeah yes um yeah as an actor it's weird it's like how do i play a spirit I have to give her a story, like sure. a normal right. human being, uh, right. you know. Yeah. And so I kind of, and then we have this this bartender character who basically plays um, Charon or Charon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm. in you know, Greek, nice. Greek mythology, yeah, yeah. but he com- completely social media blank of emotion. Wow. wow. He's enormous, perfect. He, he was an original production on the East Coast. Yeah. And he's part one of the writers, or as you call it, curator of of text from social media. Sure. Um, and so I basically just said, okay, she's a normal human being who's mm-hmm. mourning 
mm. her own life yeah. and, 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 her, and her own like choices to kind of lose touch with relationships mm-hmm. um, and to not see maybe what was there that was that could be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he's my therapist mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm in a session of mourning and I have to revisit these relationships and then get over this somehow so I can move on, mm-hmm. literally. And that's the only way I, can, I could access it. I'm like, I can't just be a spirit. Right. And I have to go somewhere with this. Oh, yeah. Um, but spirits are hard. Spirits are hard mm-hmm. to play, and, and especially if you're not the main title, you know, right. role. Then you're just like hovering around. Well, it becomes another one of those things where the director gives you, hopefully, enough structure so that you can go, okay, those are my boundaries. Yes. Now, what can I do within that? Yes. Yes. And then you're speaking the same language, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have... Um, there's um we have one entrance exit that I think still throws some of the, the actors. Bomb. The it's infamous bomb. bomb in yeah. the DMT. I love and the bomb. Like yeah. I do too. <laughs> and initially I, I had I was gonna use it once and then after a while I was like, No, I can use it here and I can use it here. Oh, I can use it here. And that was a thing. And it became yeah, and this <laughs> poor actor throughout the rehearsal process just Pete? kept saying, So uh-uh. no, um um Angela. Got it. Wanted to mime a door and I said, Don't mime a door. There's no door. The door is at the bottom of the stage. The audience can't see it. Yeah, the door you're on the second floor. Yeah. You know, so somebody has let themselves in downstairs, and they're about to come up the stairs. Yeah. You, 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 if you need to, you heard the door. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever mm-hmm. it is you need. But do not mind. And he kept, for a couple of rehearsals, he kept trying to, so I have to go down and open the No, you don't go down and open the door. <laughs> no, you don't do any of that. You stand there, and this person walks in. Just yeah. trust me, please. Yeah, there's some actors who really just need to be in the space to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, set, can, set does a lot, but it can only go so far. Absolutely. Um, l- I'll give you the last button. Uh, what Are you getting mm-hmm. all that you want out of Bay Area Theater? Are there things that you want to? Of course, you want to move on to bigger and better things, but um, how is the Bay Area Theater treating you as an actor? Oh, wonderful. Good. I mean, bigger and better, I think, for me, has to to only mean – more people, more theater spaces, more more exposure to different types of art creation. Sure. So, and theater uh, in the Bay Area is basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's every different style mm-hmm. so far. If I can, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't right. been able to touch on everything because there's so freaking much. Yeah. Um, but the more differences I can experience, like even just being in, in Yugen. That theater is, is oddly both big and small right. at the same time. Um, and then, of course, you know, their, their aesthetic and everything that they're trying to do with Japanese theater is already different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then space-wise, company-wise, people-wise, artistic director-wise, vision-wise, as long as I can keep getting that in differences, that's already bigger and better. Yeah. Uh, as soon as that stops happening, i got to look elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I mean, do you want to go eventually to L.A. or New York or whatever? Or I spent a year in L.A., but that was basically pre-discovery of what theater meant to me. Um, mm. And so I, I would have to go back to kind of do it over again the right way. Um, but right now I'm, I'm pretty solidified here. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're running into the one-hour mark. Shout-outs. <laughs> Birthdays. Uh, yeah. It's so funny because, you know, all my mind has been on the show and my birthday. Yes. Um, but um, I forgot. Yesterday was Peter Callender's birthday as well. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Happy birthday, Peter. Um, folks, today, Carolyn Doyle. That's right, Carolyn Doyle, and she yes. was a uh, um, she was on the Yay and very very uh, emotional. Uh, you know, she talked a lot about just you know being an older. 
female actor right. and ha- the transition of being a younger female actor and being older and how the roles change and stuff. She was very she was very open and honest yeah. in that in that episode. Yeah, and I I, I guess you know, one of the things we interview people and it's like, oh oh, so when you got here or when you when I became familiar with you, you were at this point in your life or you're like, oh, that's that's needed to know. Yeah. Uh, there's a woman here, Lori Zook, um, in Oakland, and she is not specifically a theater person, but there was a little space that did theater called the Oakland Metro down on 2nd and Broadway. They've That whole block is getting ready to turn into something else now. Right. Um, and now the Oakland Metro has moved a few blocks away from there. They do a lot of music stuff, but they still do uh, Oakland Opera Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, usually it's new stuff, really huh. intense stuff. So uh, her birthday today. Um, I need glasses. I <laughs> um, Matt, let's see if I can say his name. Zemankowski. Zemankowski. Yeah. Okay. He, um, I know him through Each One Reach One, actor, mm-hmm. filmmaker, uh, Paige Rogers. Paige Rogers, we had her. Uh, I think she's in, is it Cutting Ball, or am I getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is ball. Cutting Ball, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. She's directing Uncle Vanya. Her birthday mm. is Tuesday. Yep. Taranj, uh, who oh runs yeah, Golden, uh, Golden Thread. Or Golden Thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Golden Thread. Um, is that really it? I've got some. <laughs> yeah, go for it. That's all I've got. So you talked about Carolyn Doyle, and uh, along with you, uh, who had a birthday yesterday, a good friend of mine, Elizabeth Croydon. She's a, uh, a comedian. As well as an actress, a fantastic actress. We both graduated from Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Her birthday was yesterday. Um, my sister, Nicole, who came to the show, her birthday is on Monday. Yay. She absolutely fell in love with Angelo. She wants to <laughs> have her baby, but I think her husband will have a problem with that. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki. You can look, but you can't touch. Uh, also, Christine Urin. Her birthday is on Monday, and she was on the Yale along with her husband, Gene. It was wonderful having a husband and wife. Um, they're sort of they're not just husband and wife, but they're collaborators, writers, and uh, she was an ex Eastender, and she's done some stuff I think at the DMT as well. And we did Fear and Misery in the Third Reich, where she was uh, briefly my wife. Um, Paige Rogers, we've talked about the, her uh, on the birthday's Tuesday. Also, a young actor, Aaron Martinson, and I've acted with him. Mm. Uh, his birthday is on Tuesday. We did uh, Pride Open together. He was briefly my son. Wednesday, Dale Murphy, um, his birthday is on Wednesday. Dale, he's, it's wonderful about the theater community where you work with an actor and all of a sudden you get a phone call from someone else saying, hey, you work with that person. He re- recommended me to call you up. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Dale has gotten me a couple of jobs throughout the years. Yeah. So, Dale, you know, I appreciate you and, uh, uh, you know, wishing you and your husband a um, wonderful time for your birthday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday. Yay. Let's see who else. I'm running down. Um, Allison Luderman. That's this is the last one. Allison Luderman. She is a uh, playwright and a poet, mm-hmm. and she works with the Play Cafe and also the Musical Cafe. And her birthday is on Friday. Yeah. And there we go. Uh, so can I just plug again? Absolutely. Okay, seem by everyone is playing until the 21st. Yeah, we're about to plug in uh, shows oh, okay. now, right now. I am like I'm <laughs> determined. Also, well, also, um, uh, SF Olympians is on right now, and I know yep. like that's right. SF Olympians nine Roman Holiday. That's yeah. at the Exit well, Theater, and also trivia the version that, that revising or reprising uh, the Keenan Doyle that I got to do Alan Coyne um, at Short Lived is is on the twentieth. Rock on! Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll plug that as but well. I'm sorry, where's your show? 
My show is in San Francisco at Theater of Ugin. It's right around the corner from Z Space. October 5th through the 21st. Also, Z Space Problematic Play Festival, I think, just started or is over. Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And do we have any plug-ins? We've been so busy. No, it's it's our show. Our show this afternoon. Our show tonight at 7. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And and tomorrow, Sunday. Yeah. We still have tickets if you guys want to. I think we're, well, let's see. When am I going to post this thing? It'll probably be done by then, so but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have time to post it, you know, after, afterwards. But in any case, uh, yeah, it's been Four Men in Paris has been absolutely fantastic. Mm. I'll talk about that a little bit later on, just the experience and all. But um, yeah, so that'll we'll have our little short run. We'll end it on Sunday, and then we'll break it down, and then we'll be on to other things. Do you have anything lined up afterwards? No, I got to <laughs> check. I may be in Playground Monday. Rock and I'm like, oh crap! Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Because somebody mentioned to me that mm-hmm. they saw my name mm-hmm. in the playground listing, and I'm like, "Well, I'm on the list. I'm in the company, but I didn't. I pretty <laughs> sure I'm not directing. And I put in this time saying I was available mm-hmm. and I'd be happy to direct or act. And I didn't see my name on the directing <laughs> list. Now I've got to. Like, oh crap! <laughs> so maybe Monday. So I might be performing hey. Monday. All right. <laughs> So, in any case, yeah, so we have Foreman in Paris, Playfellas Theater, um, yep. that's running this weekend and then Sunday, seen by everyone, seen slash by everyone, Theater Yugen, <laughs> October the 5th through the 21st, and we'll have a link, so you can click on and buy a ticket. SF Olympians 9, Roman Holiday at the Exit Theater, October the 3rd through the 20th. Oh, Hamlet, duh, Ubuntu. Hamlet, oh, they had a preview yesterday or today? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm doing a reading, a cutting ball, or kind of a stage thing with Lee, who's in it, I know. I think hmm? I think they're very excited about that. Awesome. It's like Hamlet. It's like last year. Wasn't there like three, four Hamlets there running at like the same time? There were like five or six Hamlets <laughs> uh, throughout the year. There were like, yeah, yeah. There was, oh, yeah. it was just Hamlet yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, so this one is at, um, at um, Flight Deck. Flight Deck. The Flight Deck. Downtown yeah. Oakland, yeah. Okay, we'll put a plug in for that. Yeah. Love and Pride Theater on the cusp oh. uh, running October the 18th through November the 8th. So that hasn't started yet, but it's about to. And that is it. Adrian, did you have a good time? I did. Fantastic. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so nice, again, to see you guys in like faces to the voices <laughs> that I always just hear. Yeah, I told Norman. I was like, I guess we're celebrities now. I guess we have a, you know, an image Wait, as soon as I meet you guys at the alley, you're celebrities. To bring it full circle. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of it. This is, this is what, you know, the theater community is all about. Thanks for having me. All right. So, you can find the Yay, well, you're listening already, but tell your friends. You can find <laughs> the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side. Don't worry, you're not going to buy anything. And you can find us. If you're an Android user, then just download SoundCloud or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you can find the Yay. <laughs> the Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. You can find me at Reg, uh, Reg Clay. Hoosier Hoosier for um, Norman. Norman. Uh, what about you, Adrian? Do you have a Twitter, Snapchat thing? It's usually just website. Adrian Dean. Yeah, Adrian Dean everything. That's AdrianDean.com. Right. And click on AdrianDean.com. <laughs> she has a website. And you can find us. And we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Off. And we are out.